Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Jesus is ministering in and around the Sea of Galilee with his 12 disciples. We come to the story that is found about Jesus here in Matthew chapter 15, and He's healing and doing miracles. You know, he's just fed five to 10 to maybe even 20,000 people with just five loaves and two fishes, and he just calmed the raging storm. He literally just walked on water. I mean, he is declaring to the world that he is God, that he is the Messiah, that he is Emmanuel, that he is God with us. He is God with his people. But the problem was... Jesus was not doing things the way the religious establishment thought someone calling himself the Messiah should. He was also not treating the Roman authorities the way some others thought he should. You know, he should be a revolutionary, overthrow them all. Or he should come in as a conquering Messiah and keep all the rules that all the Jewish leaders expected him to keep. Overall, Jesus was not acting like the Messiah they expected. One way he was not acting like a Messiah was in the way he kept breaking the religious rules that they had established over and over again. For instance, he talked with people who the the Jewish authorities considered unclean. You know, he allowed tax collectors like Matthew to become one of his disciples. If you remember a couple weeks ago, him and his disciples ate grain on the Sabbath, thus doing work on the Sabbath, which clearly broke the most basic rule of all concerning the Sabbath, do not do any work. So in challenging the religious orthodoxy of his day, and in challenging the image of what the Messiah did and the way he acted, Jesus was starting to draw the attention and the anger of the religious authorities of his day. Now, the Sanhedrin, that's what the religious authorities, especially in Jerusalem, were called, were a group of men made up of Pharisees and Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, Pharisees and Sadducees, who ruled Jerusalem and the Jewish region with an iron fist. You do what they say, or you are in trouble. Now, one thing the religious leaders did was to develop rules for all the people to help them apply the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, right? Well, it's called the Torah, and these religious leaders had developed rules to help people apply how to live out the Torah. And these rules were called the traditions of the elders or the traditions of men. And during Jesus' time, these traditions were largely passed on by word of mouth. One rabbi would say this about what was considered work on the Sabbath, or another rabbi would talk about the proper way to wear a piece of clothing, or another rabbi would talk about some way to properly complete some ritual. And well, later on, these rules were written down in a book called the Mishnah. And guess what? The Mishnah ended up having six 613 rules or commandments. 613 rules that they came up with. All right? Rules or commandments. Now, what's interesting is these rules or commandments, they ended up carrying to the Jewish people 
as much weight as the Bible itself, as much weight as the first five books of the Bible, as much weight as the Torah, the actual words of God, right? So these commandments came to be elevated to the same level as the very words of God. Well, Jesus and his disciples kept breaking these rules. They kept breaking these rules set down by the rabbis and the authorities. One of the rules that they kept breaking was the rules regarding hand washing. Now, there were specific rules that the rabbis had established concerning how to wash your hands before any meal, and especially a meal where bread was to be eaten. Now, this rule, this hand-washing rule, came to be known as the, and I'm going to butcher Hebrew here, but it's netalat yadiyim. And this commandment, this rule about how to properly hand-wash went like this. You got a pitcher of water, and then you had to pour that water twice on the right hand, and then you followed it up by pouring this pitcher of water twice on the left hand. Now, if you're left-handed, you reversed it. So you poured twice on the left hand and then twice on the right hand. You ended with your less dominant hand or something like that. You know, it's pretty confusing even for me to describe it, but you had to pour twice on the right hand followed by twice on the left. Now, the more devout Jews, they didn't just pour water twice on each hand. No, they poured it three times. So after completing this, and you had to do this before every meal, okay? You had to do this before any meal, and especially any meal where you ate bread. You had to do this every time. And then after pouring that water on each hand, and it wasn't even soap. It's not like you're scrubbing your hands down with soap. No, you just pour the water twice in one hand, pour the water twice in the other hand, and then you recite this phrase. Or I would say it's a blessing. You recite this blessing, and the blessing goes like this. Blessed are you. Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us concerning the washing of the hands. And that's it. But the thing is, that's what you were supposed to do before every meal, before every time you ate this elaborate hand-washing ritual. Now, what's interesting is that there were specific ways given by God to the priests, all right, the priests of the temple, and they were to wash their hands in the service of the temple. God laid out specific ways in Deuteronomy and Exodus, right, how to actually wash your hands in Leviticus. Well, the rabbis took that concept of washing your hands, and they said, nope, it's not good enough just for the priests. We're going to apply it to everybody. And they ended up applying it to all the Jewish people in this commandment, in this rule, and in this blessing they all had to say. And I think that blessing sounds great, right? I mean, it sounds beautiful. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. I mean, that is, that is an awesome phrase to say. And quite often, right, we pray before our meals to thank God for our food. I mean, this all sounds good, right? Wash your hands, bless the Lord, before every meal. I mean, we should wash our hands before eating, and why not give a blessing to God, thanking him for who he is and what he has done? Well, the big problem was this. What was good, the rabbis turned into a commandment of God. Remember I said they elevated their rules to the same level as Scripture? 
Well, they elevated this hand-washing rule to the point where it was on this level of Scripture. And if you broke it, you are breaking God's command. They took a man-made rule and elevated it to the level of God's command to the very Word of God. So when the Sanhedrin, the religious authorities, heard what was happening, that Jesus and his disciples were not washing their hands before eating every time, that they were not following this specific rule, they sent people to this region to confront Jesus, to find out why he was challenging their authority. After all, this, this was a good law, and it didn't hurt anyone to wash their hands before eating. What's the big deal? Why are you and your disciples not keeping this law? They came and found Jesus. Now, I imagine that there were a group of four or five of them who surrounded Jesus after he healed someone, and they came up to him, and they asked him this question, why do your disciples not wash their hands before eating? Why do you break our ritual cleansing laws? Well, I imagine Jesus looks at them and gently but firmly corrects this grave error that they're making. And the words that he gives to correct them is found in Matthew chapter 15, verse 9. He says to them, In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That's what Jesus says. Teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. The basic problem was that these Jewish leaders were teaching that man-made rules were to be held on the same level as biblical doctrine, as the word of God. And Jesus hated that. He hated the fact that the Jewish leaders were putting extra burdens and extra weight on the people. He particularly hated the fact that they demanded the people to be externally perfect, washing their hands every time you have to complete this ritual. And you can be externally perfect while inside their hearts were far from being pure themselves. And he looked at these men and he knew their hearts. And he knew that inside they were absolute hypocrites. They kept the rules on the outside, but inside they had no love for Yahweh. They had no love for God. So Jesus, in talking to them, he uses verses from the book of Isaiah to call out their hypocrisy. Now, Isaiah, right, is a book that they would have studied intently, and it's a book that they would have known. Well, Jesus uses words from a book they love to deal with their hypocrisy. And Jesus quotes from a passage in Isaiah where Isaiah in his own day, he saw that the priests of his day were acting hypocritical. He saw in particular that the people of his day, not just the priests, the people of his day were acting hypocritically. Many of the priests, right, in his day and in Jesus' day, did not care to love Yahweh or to follow him. But either for money or for prestige, they pretended to love God. They went through all these rituals on the outside because they loved the power it gave them. They loved their position. And, and they went through all this. They pretended to love God on the outside, but inside, they didn't love God at all. And Isaiah called their hypocrisy out. And this is where Isaiah says, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
And Jesus takes that verse and applies it to the Pharisees of his day. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Matthew 15, verse 8. You act externally right. You do all the right things, but your heart is far from loving Yahweh, is far from loving Jesus. I hope that's not true of you. Do you do things that outwardly look pleasing to the Lord, but inwardly you don't want to worship Jesus at all? You have no love for Jesus. You could care less. You know, maybe you go to church to please your parents, but once you're out of the house, once you're out of under their rule, you will never darken the door of a church again. Or maybe you are a church leader, you know, guilting people in your church because they don't follow some rules, some activity that isn't in scripture, but you know, you've elevated it to that level. For instance, you have to have an invitation after every service and you guilt people into keeping that. Maybe some people want to change it and you raise this level of you have to have an invitation after every service, even though it's never found in scripture, but you raise it to that level when you put this extra burden on them. Maybe they have to dress a certain way. Maybe you can't do such and such an activity because it's always been that way and Christians have always not done that activity or not done something that way. I don't know what it is, but whether you're a Christian leader, whether you're a person who just goes to church to just impress other people, but inside, that's what Jesus cares about. I think we all have to examine our practices and examine our hearts and make sure we're not elevating something inherently good to the level of scripture. But even more than that, I think it's important to remember that Jesus wanted these men's hearts and he knew their hearts were hiding behind their religious behavior and instead their hearts were against Jesus, against truly following Yahweh. They liked the power, the prestige, and, and everything that came with their religious position. But they didn't truly love Yahweh. And Jesus called their hypocrisy out. He then, Jesus, gave them an example of their own hypocrisy of how far their hearts were from a true devotion to God, of how they emphasized religious form over a heart truly devoted to Yahweh. Jesus brings up this practice of Corban. Now, Corban means gift. And the practice went like this. A son could give money that he should have given to his parents to take care of them. He could give that money to the church instead. Money that should have been given to their parents, uh, a son could give to the church if he announced it as, this is Corbin, a gift to the temple. Yes, I'm going to give this money to the temple rather than to my parents. But the problem was the fifth commandment, right? Of the 10 commandments given to us by God, the fifth commandment says that you should honor your mother and father. That's the fifth commandment, that you should honor your mother and father. That was a command given by God. But here, the religious authorities would allow you to break that commandment if you gave the temple and them money. They would break a command of God if their pocketbooks were enriched by it. Matthew 15, verse 6, Jesus says, For the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. 
Well, I'm sure when Jesus confronts them with their own hypocrisy, that this just made these men angry and it made them hate Jesus even more. Now, if Jesus had complied, they, they would have been fine. But instead, their authority was challenged and their hypocrisy called out. Jesus then turned and left these men. And then he began to speak to the disciples and the larger crowd. He went on to give a parable. Jesus says, hear and understand. Matthew 15, verse 11, he says, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. Well, with that last comment, the Pharisees and the scribes, they left in an angry huff. They were furious and stormed out. Now, some of the disciples, they later came to Jesus and pointed out, you know, you really offended those Pharisees and scribes. And when Jesus heard that, he replies to them, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Matthew 15, verses 13 through 14. In other words, Jesus is saying, Don't worry about them. They are false prophets, false teachers. And someday, Jesus is saying, God will judge them. He's going to uproot them and scatter them from their positions of power. And those who follow them are like blind men who are led around by other blind men. Both cannot see where they are going and both are in danger of falling into a pit because no one can practically see the pit, right? So the blind leaders lead their blind followers right into this hole in the ground. (laughs) Now, to me, that shows Jesus has a sense of humor. What a funny image that is that you now have in your head. Blind people leading other blind people right into a hole in the ground, right into a pit. Now, hopefully the pit isn't too deep so they don't break anything, break any bones or a leg or something like that. But but Jesus is essentially using humor in some ways to make this point. Don't follow these men. They are spiritually blind and will lead other spiritually blind people into dangerous circumstances. Well, Peter, you know, he steps forward and He's sort of confused by the parable about what goes into a man doesn't defile a man, but what comes out of a man defiles a man. And so he asked Jesus to explain that parable more. I wonder if Peter thought, you know, I've eaten some bad food before and that ended up making me sick. I wonder if Peter thought of many things that go into the mouth that are already rotten or poisonous, right? Before they go in and end up making you rotten or poisonous or make you sick. And he's a little confused by the parable. Well, Jesus responds to him, Are you still without understanding? Verse 16. Verse 17. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander, These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Matthew 15, verses 16 through 20. So Jesus is telling Peter, yes, you may eat something bad, but it will go in 
and then, literally, you'll poop it out. So you may eat something rotten, but eventually it'll work through your digestive system and come out the other end, right? So if you wash or don't wash your hands, everything you eat will all come out the other end anyway. But Jesus is saying, rather, it's what's in the heart that matters. You can wash your hands all you want, but if out of your mouth comes angry words towards someone, or you say vile things about someone else, or, or you start gossiping about that other person in your youth group that is more popular than you, or you use your words to just tear down somebody, or maybe you swear, and you just have filthy language, and you may say really dirty jokes, or maybe you like to watch bad websites, you struggle with pornography, or you struggle with some other level of sexual immorality, or, or you lie. Maybe you lie all the time to your parents. Maybe you lie all the time to people. I don't know what it is, but Jesus says any of these things, and he lists thieving, sexual immorality, lying. He says, if this is what's coming out of your mouth, then your hand washing didn't do much at all. It purified your hands, but it didn't purify your sinful heart. Externally, you're right with this man-made command, but inwardly you are far from God because you are rejecting God's rules, God's commands about purity, about how to properly follow him, about how to properly love him. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And the Bible is full of commandments about loving your neighbor, being kind to those who treat you badly, avoiding all these levels of sexual morality, not stealing, not lying. And if that stuff's coming out, externally, you're washing your hands, but inside, you need a whole heart scrubbing, don't you? Well, the religious authorities, they laughed with their tail between their legs. They came ready to call out the sinful practices of Jesus and his disciples, and in the end were exposed for the sinful hypocrites they actually were. Sadly, they didn't learn from Jesus' rebuke, but instead they became angrier and angrier to the point that they were ready to kill Jesus. You know, I hope that in the end, that's not the way when we react when we are corrected by God. I hope instead that when we see our hypocrisy exposed, that we stop doing that hypocritical thing. Repent. Listen to God's word. And then learn and then start doing what is right. Stop doing what's wrong. Repent. And begin to walk in that right way. And as Christians... That's a daily act of repentance. That's a daily act of trying to walk with the Lord. That's a daily examining ourselves to make sure our lives are not hypocritical. And I also pray that as church leaders, we don't elevate some practice to the commandments of God. It's an easy thing to do, and some practices we have are good. But make sure we're not raising some practice, which is good, to the level of it being a very command of God. But ultimately, let's all learn, child to adult, to not be a hypocrite, 
to not make our external form look good while inside our heart, our mind, they're incredibly evil. Let's not be hypocrites. Let's confess our sins. Let's repent and turn and follow God wholeheartedly, heart, soul, mind, and body. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.